0: Thank okay. you.
1: Welcome, guys, back to edition of Sheck Sports, brought to by anchor. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining me today. I know it's been a busy week, but there is a lot of sports news happening right now in the world. Luckily, still, even with this global pandemic we are experiencing, um, I'm welcoming on to my show today for the first time uh, a friend and actually a fellow uh, a cousin, Alex Mazur, who is currently an undergrad student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill school that I love for many reasons. Alex, welcome to the air.
0: What's up, Calder? Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, totally. Glad we uh, we were able to make this happen. I know we've talked about it for a while, and now we're doing an episode. So first of all, let's jump right in. Um, uh, how was UNC uh, this fall semester? Obviously, I know with covid college campuses no matter if you're, you know, division 1, division 3, um it's not the same but but how was the experience this fall in chapel hill?
0: Um I mean it, it was definitely different like you mentioned I'm an undergrad student fortunately it was my junior year so um I do really feel for the seniors that got sent home mm-hmm. for their spring season for the people that are graduating in the fall um you know Fingers crossed, it's a little better in the spring, and I got another crack at it my senior year. But specifically from a sports lens, it was it was just different. There was a weekend where we were ranked number five in the country in football. And I mean, Mac Brown's inaugural season, like we were okay, we were decent, we were competent, we weren't great, we were competitive in games, but the atmosphere in Keenan was electric. We're actually good now. And when we were ranked number five in the country, just ahead of Ohio State. It did not feel like we were ranked whatsoever. Didn't feel like it was competitive. It's just the atmosphere on sports is so dead. And I think what, I, who I really feel for is, we just started letting football um, having about 3,500 in the stands. Those other sports that played and did well, men's soccer, women's soccer, field hockey, outside of the people who probably get paid to cover it, I don't know how many people really batted an eye and care. Mm-hmm. Um And for for those athletes, just like, it it gets back to like high school feel, I feel like, where it's so much more intrinsic motivation and it's just a different atmosphere. <laughs> and overall, like the, one of the biggest reasons I came to Chapel Hill was, you know, the sports atmosphere and how much fun it is. And we lost so much of that mm. this semester. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we don't lose touch with what was and when things do come back to normal, we're able to regain mm, that. Definitely. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, the athletics has... Football
1: there, um, I'll be honest, I really didn't pay attention to. I only probably honestly started paying attention to the program within the past five years. But I've said to people, I think that Mac Brown has been one of the best pickups for a Power Five school uh, in terms of a new coach. Obviously he's an alum there when he was last in Carolina, there was a lot of success before his biggest and best days at the university of Texas at Austin, where he uh, won that unforgettable national championship against the Trojans when Pete Carroll was there at USC. But I think Carolina is having a great season. I love that he was able to bring Sam Howe back to his home state as opposed to going to Florida state. And he's probably upped his draft stock Uh, for when he does enter the league um you know a great point about athletes you know it's hard to imagine uh how COVID just came into college athletics because as we we know I think it was 11 programs at Stanford were permanently cut at least for the time being other schools have decided to forego the maybe you could argue sports that don't bring in the most money so uh something we will get to but you know uh What people may not know, and I'm sure we do, is that, you know, obviously, even though football and basketball make tons of money, they help fund the other sports at these schools. Um, But now though, those sports being cut, I, I wonder if it brings up more of an argument. Maybe you are more aware of how do you fund those programs in times like these? Does it require more donors? Does it require different funnels of money in the programs? But what is your view on those athletes that now, you know, don't have a sport to participate at their university.
0: Uh, I mean, to be totally honest, I think COVID came along and this was a, to your point about how two sports fund the rest of them, it it doesn't make sense outside of the intrinsic aspects of providing opportunities for students um, to, you know, pursue their athletic passions to have those other sports. From you know, just bottom line doesn't make sense when you look at the numbers. I think COVID kind of kind of came along and was used as an opportune excuse because these schools do have the money to fund mm-hmm. these sports. I mean, if you look at their athletic budgets, they can they can cover it. They're putting together these fancy facilities and they're paying their coaches. If they if UNC paid or took away Mac Brown's salary, I'm not saying they would. If they took away Mac Brown's salary, they could effectively fund probably three more sports mm-hmm. for a good few years. Um, so I think there's ways to do it. The issues that arise is obviously the front facing stuff is, you know, men's basketball and football. And then it's also there are these other schools where it's a, a massive arms race, where if you want to be competitive for recruits in these big sports that are going to fund everything else, you do need to build a fancy practice facility. You do need to um, create a marketing department that's going to brand these athletes and you got to keep up mm. with everyone else. So I think there's money if people want to find it the problem is it's aligning on what schools actual goal is their goal is to be competitive in men's basketball and football they don't need to find it and honestly it's hurting them if they're looking for that money to fund other sports their goal is to provide opportunities for their student athletes and you know enrich the culture of the campus and bring different students to their campus they Hmm. can find the money
1: yeah very good point very good point i like this i i uh meaning to have this conversation on my show with someone who's well versed and obviously you are and I agree I mean look you know uh Northwestern's Ryan Fieldhouse and Walker Athletic Center I'm sure everyone's seen images it costs 270 million dollars that we are in and I think we have it in the cold war arms race of athletics in terms of facilities you know Jack Swarbrick the AD at Notre Dame makes above 3 million and then you have Nick Saban's salary which he's the highest paid public official in the country um so obviously that's we'll come back to that, but which transition obviously you you run uncut. Um, I'm sure you have other people that work with you on it, but uh I think to do it justice, let everyone know what uncut is and, and what the mission is overall.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate of you course. bringing that up, Calder. So Uncut effectively is similar to Uninterrupted and I guess the players tribune. It's a platform to athlete for athletes to show who they are outside of their sport. And we operate specifically in college athletics. So allowing athletes platform, should they choose to use it to show their true personality. So whether you're an artist uh, or you have opinions on politics, obviously the climate around athlete empowerment and athletes speaking out has changed completely, uh, especially recently and especially in the college space. So when we started, we started in about the idea came around fall 2018, launched in fall 2019 things were still a little controversial and how that worked within athletic departments was, you know, super interesting in terms of walking that tightrope and balancing the shield and the brand of the university between telling the truth and telling the real stories that are out there. And since that, like I said, the climate has evolved. We've expanded to five different schools. So UNC Chapel Hill, Duke, App State, Virginia Tech, and now UCLA. And that number keeps growing. And it's been awesome to see the evolution of how schools and athletic departments see us and how they bring us on and how much more receptive they are, but also how much more athletes feel empowered to share who they are outside of their sport rather than just sticking to the X's and O's.
1: Excellent. I love that. And I'm a big fan. And I, I will, I'm making a pledge to definitely get more involved in and and market that brand. And I'm sure I went to McDaniel college as a D three, but I think it would be a massive success success on their campus. And it's true at the end of the day, we're all human beings. It's not just scoring, you know, thirty points on a quarter, making a hole in one. Um, everyone has their own. Got on Pat Godfrey to my show, and he went to Clemson. But we just talk, and he has other interests outside of football. And um, it's good. It's so. With that, um, I'm curious. Being at Carolina, have have you and your colleagues received? Feedback from maybe not like you know, Roy Williams texting you, but have you received positive any feedback from those specific teams and those athletes?
0: Yeah, um, 100%. I think one of the biggest pieces of validation we've received is we actually had an episode with mac Brown, Courtney Banghart, who was the women's uh, basketball head coach, Anson Doran, the women's soccer head coach, and probably one of the most acclaimed soccer head coaches in all of history, and you know, even. Within college sports and outside of college sports. And then our AD, Bubba Cunningham. And the whole conversation was 30 minutes unscripted on how to best prepare student athletes for life after their sport and how to recruit for character. And I think that meant more to our team than any sort of just compliment or, or validation we could have received, because that conversation would not be happening had it not been for our efforts up until that mm-hmm. point having those four role models that, you know, so many student athletes at the high school level and college athletes and even pros look up to speaking on that versus their X's and O's, I think is the biggest testament we've, you know, seen to our work.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's phenomenal. I'm sure, you know, getting to uh, speak with Mac Brown, especially was a treat and the rest of the people that were joining. And I think, you know, I've seen, we're not, um, We've seen the stories, right? So, you know, there was obviously the huge basketball scandal that involved Arizona a few years ago. Um, There was the Ed O'Bannon case, which led to the taking down of the NCAA games for video games. Um, You know, there's a film called School, the Price of College Sports. And there's a film called Student Athlete. And what I wanted to ask you is, and I don't know how the NCAA really works with publicity. You know, it's not like you see the president of the NCAA go out and make press conferences about, you know, student engagement, bringing people to the table. But, you know, in a lot of these films I've watched, you know, obviously they're the stories of, you know, one student athlete who gets injured and then, you know, doesn't know what to do with their life after college. And another athlete who, you know, uh, gets disbarred from an institution. But my question is, I feel like there should be these success stories and there are success stories of students that, are at big universities and decide not to pursue athletics after I mean my friend Pat Godfrey played at Clemson won two titles he works at Wells Fargo now my question to you and I know you're doing a great job do you why do you think that we don't see more films or maybe instances of the success stories, to be, to, to be quite frank, the only really success stories I've seen, and this is me, is these shows where it's a, a season with Notre Dame, right? And it shows the like success stories, but it's really on the campus. What I would like to find out, and I'm sure you've been involved, is what happens after university to those players that don't go on to pursue their careers. So do you think there's a reason why maybe we're not seeing more publicity of that? Or do you think it's just maybe people just want, maybe just want to, choose on their own path to reveal what they're doing after college, not only to their university, but on a national stage. So maybe when people say, well, you know, every student athlete that doesn't go to the NFL is homeless. No, that's not true. There are success stories out there. What do you think?
0: I think the coverage is trending in that direction because media entities, I mean, media entities right now, and in general, they're going to show what people are going to watch and, People do want to create a distinction we've seen between sports and anything else outside of sports, not exclusively politics, literally anything outside of sports. Um, And sports is that kind of safe haven for them. So I think as consumers start demanding that additional content, like we are, um, it's going to start getting to the forefront. I mean, we're seeing, you know, backtrack five years, there was no content like this. You know, today it's a wholly different story. And it's also what story the athletes Mm -hmm. want to tell. And a lot more of these athletes are providing this content and being more vulnerable and opening themselves up. And I think that's when it becomes more compelling because the content becomes more authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is really, really important for high school students and people that are not going to go pro or, you know, playing this sport have a real passion to see these other athletes that are succeeding in past outside of going to Mm -hmm. the pros and seeing that as possible. I think that representation Mm -hmm. is huge. And if that is a byproduct of this new content coming out and it's another motivator for people to make this kind of content, I I hope it is another motivator Mm -hmm. because that's a key benefit Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah,
1: well said. And I think it's true. You want to show high school students what it's like, not only in college, but what happens if you don't go pro. And it's the reality, you know, the NFL, the average retirement rate is, I think, two years. You know, the Tom Brady is in the. Tower rockets are really one out of a trillion. Maybe it's not that, but you know what I mean? It's, it's not like everyone, you know, goes that far in a career in any sport. Um, it could be soccer, you know, tennis. Um, is there any, out of all the work you've done with uncut, I mean, is there any one central theme that these athletes want to get across to the public or their fellow peers about who they are or any overwhelming factor that they, think people may assume is right but isn't right
0: um i think specific to to college athletes uh, and maybe it's even more specific to unc with the academic scandal but to be treated like general students um we had an episode where we had two students and two faculty members sit at a table and have a roundtable discussion about kind of the the balance between academics and athletics at a big time institution because you know one of the scariest things that every single athlete needs to do is walk up on the first day of class to their professor as your first impression you're basically walking up and telling them all the classes i have to miss for this sport and you have some professors that get it that value the athletic experience and what they're getting and equate that to like an internship and there are others that say why do i need to accommodate you i have 300 other students Mm -hmm. and i think the most tangible thing that I've seen specifically to to getting to know these athletes is understanding that they want to be seen as just people and not these celebrities that wear these Nike bags that get handed to them. Mm -hmm. Obviously they do have, um, you know, a lavish life, but at the end of the, you know, it's not really lavish on the surface. It may appear lavish, but they have challenges just like Mm -hmm. we do. And the core tenant of all of this, that brings everything together is people are just human and you may look like you're having a great life, but everyone has their own challenges and their own struggles And you should treat them as such like walking around with a camera and trying to take pictures of people that are, you know, your age. I mean, if that's if that's exciting for some people, I think that's great. But I think that overlooks, you know, the person inside and, you know, the struggles that they go through on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's people think, uh, you know, you're being flown around the country. You got the Nikes and the spikes, but there's a lot more. To every person, not just what you see on the outside. Well said. Well said. Um, we're going to talk about one more thing, and that I definitely want to get to the Carolina football and the basketball this season. Um, obviously, you know I've read the Division One manuscript for the NC two A, the Division Three, the Division Two. Um, a lot of you know there's so many constitutions and articles and, and, you know, you know, the committees of schools meet every year. I know there was just news about supposedly an FBS proposal to break away, but to me, the, the, or your perspective, especially the bottom line, you know, there's always the argument about students getting a certain amount of money for their likeness, but there's so much more that people have to understand before you can really argue that I think it's important. I know you've done that before and I admire it. Um, you know, there's been talk about you know letting athletes sign with agents and everything else, but I think at the end of the day, what do you, you know, there's the tomb, the term student athlete, which was invented in the 1950s, and it was made at the time, I think, for certain reasons, and a lot of that was because of you know workers' claims and people even dying on the field and and a whole different system and you know, we can say that 2020 is not 1920, you know, there's a thing called at there's TV, there's March Madison, all that. So do you think, you know, this, the, the, the definition of student athlete has changed over time? Do you think it maybe should be rewritten? You know, this whole idea of amateurism, do you think that maybe it just needs to re- be rebranded so it can give people a better idea of, you know, look, they're not, making money. But at the end of the day, they're still getting a great education. They're still choosing, you know, to do well. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed and I hope people understand is I've even seen a film where, you know, look, I, there was a student, he didn't go through the best situation, but at the end of the day, it came down to him just not pursuing a degree. And I think what Carolina is great at in a lot of schools is, you know what, if the athlete gets to school and uses the tools and works hard to get a degree, they can do anything with their lives. And I think a lot of people misread that, you know, they think that the athletes don't get any say they're thrown around. They graduate with no skills, but I personally believe that they can graduate with skills. It's just maybe a little more of their own ambition and balancing. I know there was a lot to throw at you, but, but what, what would you just take away from what I said?
0: I think the biggest thing that is wrong with college athletics, and I don't think this is exclusive to college athletics, is the inability for people to have an honest conversation. Um, When you look at NIL and why it's taken so long or why it's even such a contentious topic is because there are certain people that are going to push the athletic side or the academic side um, as super important to them when you know it's just not. And then people on the other side doing the opposite Mm -hmm and i think a lot of people are trying to have discussions around this and not being honest and like i said i don't think it's exclusive to to college i think at the end of the day most people are operating around their bottom line mm-hmm. regardless of what they mm-hmm. say outside of that but i think the other issue is trying to apply blanket legislation to divisions to systems that are wholly different in intent and in execution Mm -hmm. like D one and power five is very, very different than D three. And it's not a bad thing that they're different. It's just the reality. Mm -hmm. And the students that go there are looking for different things. Mm -hmm. They could be just as competitive. Mm -hmm. There are great D three schools out there and there are phenomenal D three athletes that are looking to continue their, you know, athletic pursuits at a great university and get their degree. And that's it. A lot of people in D one looking to go pro or, you know, pursue it in a bigger stage. Like the biggest difference between D1 is that they openly acknowledge that they're entertainment. And it's very, very different in the model. So that's, that's what worries me about NIL and the idea of a student athlete, because you could say the definition of a student athlete evolves at every single university because the experience is wholly different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a UNC student, you might be doing half your homework on the bus versus if you're on like at a D3 university, that's more local. Um, you're not Mm -hmm. because you don't Mm -hmm. have eight hour car rides from, Mm -hmm. you know, Chapel Hill to Louisville. Right. Um, And, and all those things. So, I mean, you brought up the night commission and the idea of that, you know, breaking away, I don't really know what the solution is. um, And I don't know whether we're going to find a solution because there's always going to be, there's Mm -hmm. no, there's no, never a perfect solution. Of course. But I think everyone has different needs and if we can acknowledge that, that's at least a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a reason why the Ivy League canceled their sports earliest um, when it came to COVID. And they were the leaders in that respect because their value set is different. Mm-hmm. They're here for the health and safety of their students 100% and the education. It's mm-hmm. on brand for them to make that decision. So they did it. Um, and it, it made total sense. And then others slowly followed or didn't follow mm-hmm. There's a lot more hesitancy around the power five and we could predict that Mm -hmm. regardless of what they say, we kind of knew what they were going to do Mm -hmm. and it was going to be wait and try to milk out college sports. Um, So I don't know what the solution is. I don't know whether we need to, I mean, amateurism is kind of a a joke now once we look at how much money is being poured into the sport. Yeah. Um, And we could say it's all for, for academics and it is except when we see how much they're actually prioritizing the students' classwork which is often the case, at least in D1 and big-time college sports, not too much. Mm-hmm. So I think if we could start with having an honest and open conversation about what the needs are with every single division or conference and group and every single school can actually stick to their own values rather than being persuaded by you know, peer pressure in some ways by this kind of arms race, I think that's a starting point. Is that realistic? I'm pessimistic, Yeah, yeah no, I
1: agree. We're very well
0: said. I like everything you touched on. I think the whole I,
1: I think the arms race will never end. I, I'm, pessim- I'm very pessimistic. I think that it's a trend that just can't, can't stop. Um, but I agree, I mean, look, I went to a D3 school where I was friends with people on the football team that were in a fraternity. That's not possible at D1 school. I'm sure Roy Rowe Williams is like guys. You can't join fraternities or sororities, but it's true. D3 is very different, to be honest. As D3 reminded me of high school, they work very hard, but you know, you go to the practice field for two hours, you go to your tutors, you play games on a Saturday, you go back to your apartment and you have a few beers and hang out with friends. And it's very different at the D1 level. But I like what you say. I think everyone's got to talk more. That's it. You know, Talk more, get the right people to the table. I have very strong views. I think that what a lot of people like Jay Billis and other analysts said, I think that the whole COVID situation was terribly handled by the NCAA. They should have come together and either said together as a group, we will play or we will not play. But again, every conference in school is different. So there's a lot to go with it. But I think at least you do see some conferences that I think have done a great job with COVID, some that haven't done the best job, but there's so many factors with it. Um. All right. So great conversation. I love that we we'll talked about their last two things. A, Carolina football. Uh, I, I was pulling for them to beat Notre Dame. I know it was a tough loss, but I think the future is bright for Carolina football. Sam, Al, You know, he is a he can throw the rockets. Um, their running backs are great. Um, do you a you know, I know Carolina is ranked in the top twenty-five, even though they lost, which I was a little surprised about. But who cares? For Carolina fans, I'll take it. So they're six and three. Um, a, how do you think the season ends? And B, I hate to already bring it up, but how much time would you give Mac Brown left at the school? Because I know he's getting up there in age, but he still can do a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean I think we have an offense that can keep up with anyone and make every single game exciting. I was surprised that the Notre Dame game did not become just a like a sixty sixty final mm-hmm. score. Kind of like the way Force. It, it yeah. wasn't a, exactly. I thought that's what we were expecting, and it just became like a really back and forth defensive game, which was interesting. And it was great to see us keep up and get, you know, within striking distance, especially right at the end. I think we had a lot of potential this year. And I think we were really excited um, and things started off on a good note that made at least me personally, a little greedy. And then we had some more Carolina moments like that loss to Florida state mm-hmm. that I think we should have won that game. And then the game against Virginia was, that was just, we didn't show up. So I think we're ranked right around where we should be. Um, it's fun to watch us play and it's fun to be good again. I think next year should be interesting now that we have another year under our belt with a really good recruiting class. Um, we are going to have our running backs graduate out and that could be a big loss, but yeah, another year of Sam Howell. We're, we're losing a lot of offensive weapons, but our defense is getting stronger. It's getting older um, and more mature. So I'm optimistic. I think we're trending in the right direction. And with Mac, I think this is his last stop. Uh, I mean, he came here to, like he didn't have to come back to coaching. Um, he came here to kind of check off this box. He seems to really enjoy this team and this group. I think he has, you know, at least he's going to be here, I think, till the duration of Sam Howe. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, after that, we'll see. But I don't really think he's, I think he's kind of like the, the conductor. I don't think he's really the one that's manning the ship the entire time. Mm-hmm. So in terms of stress, I think he's just put together a really good team. And he's kind of become like a, a friend and people person. I mean, every, I've heard raving reviews about him from every single person I've spoken with that has like played for him. And then just from my small interaction with him, one of the most down-to-earth guys I've ever met. So I think if he's enjoying it and he's treating it not like a job, but more so as just here, you know, my my group of children or my guys, I think he can be here for maybe five more years. Yeah,
1: I love Mac Brown. I mean, he's said it on camera that, he is enjoying this experience a lot. And he said there's things that he wish he could have done at Texas that he's doing here. He's definitely a people person. I love him in the locker room. He's a lot of fun. I mean, who can forget his emotions after beating South Carolina? That was epic. And that was so that was nice great. to see. Um, and he's invigorated the program. I mean, Carolina football can be as good as Clemson. I'm going to say that. They have A, the resources, B, the fan base. I want to get to Keenan. It looks like a mar- marvelous venue. Um and see whoever comes. I mean, I think when Mac Brown leaves, there's going to be a lot of phone calls from people that want to coach at Carolina. So it's only going to be finding the right fit. And you know, I always, I always have hope. I'm not going to say in five years, ten years, but you know what? There, there may be one day they can win a national championship. I don't know when that's going to happen. I think the ACC championship will be easier to get once. Lawrence finally leaves. I know this guy, yeah. DJ at Clemson, is good, but the day that he leaves Clemson, they're going to be a very different team, and um it'll be fun to see. Now, obviously, our last topic. I, I love basketball. I went to a game in, against Duke way back at the at the um, in Carolina. Uh, you know that that icon. The the arena is just beautiful, and uh it was great seeing Williams there in person. The team, you know. RJ Davis on right team right now. You have know, Walker, Kelsor, Garrison Brooks. You know you have a really good recruiting class. I know they lost to Texas, but it's early, so people don't freak out. You got a long season. Um, expectations for this year, and also I, I will probably tear up a little bit, but I hate to say. It, but besides the season, also how much you know does Roy Williams have left there at the helm?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I will say we lost to Texas, but Roy Williams has not won a national championship at Carolina without losing to Texas first.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So take that with (laughs) a grain of salt. Um, This team is fun. It's, I mean, we go from last year where it was kind of just dysfunctional. We didn't really have leadership. I think Garrison is a great leader for that team, and he's also the best player, which is a good combo and a dangerous combo to have. Um, But we're just deep. Like We have all these young guys who can actually shoot. Um, we can actually play. We have a crazy front court of just four bigs that can do whatever they want. Um, and it's just about finding playing time for them effectively. So I'm excited for what March Madness is going to look like. I think if our team continues to develop and just play together, we should have a lot of depth to do that. I mean, you look at the scoring distribution in our game from like the Maui Invitational and we're seeing pretty even across the board, like all of our starters putting up double digits. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really awesome thing to see, especially early on. Um, And also recognizing that we have a freshman backcourt. We have bigs that are coming in off the bench and doing the exact same thing, rebounding super well. Like we are a rebounding machine. Um, So I love that identity for us. It fits Roy Williams' style of play. I think we're ranked where we should be right now. And I think we're playing just about, the level that we should be. Um, But I'm very excited to see how this team gels going forward. Now with Roy, I mean, I mean, he also has his own health issues and it makes it a bigger question than Mac, I would say, as to when time is done. I mean, he seems very, very energetic. If You saw his vibe last year when things were getting tough. I mean, I, I could have seen him possibly leaving after that because it just like, it seemed like the life was sucked out of him. So he seems energized right now. And that's nice to see, but I don't know. I think he's, he's earned the right to leave on his own terms. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that's for sure. So I hope he sticks around, but I've been grappling in my head and trying to, trying to play the mental map of who's going to step in after him. And I honestly don't know.
1: Yeah. Final question. So any, any inside knowledge? I know that, you know, let's put it this way. i I'm definitely surprised at some football stadiums right now in college, how many fans have been allowed, you know, if it's like the Oklahoma's and maybe, you know, the TCU's, but any word, I mean, if things get better, are they planning to maybe like let a thousand people into the arena to watch games? Any, any news for students that, you know, that may that really want to get to the games because who won it?
0: Yeah. So we have, I believe 3,500 for football right now. It's outdoor. Um, but I don't think tickets are available. They're not available on like a StubHub or Ticketmaster. They are only available to students through Student Lottery and then through um, the like if you're a member of like the Rams Club, which is mm-hmm. our fundraising art, right. season tickets. So basketball right now, it's completely empty just because indoor. And I don't think they put a cap yet on saying, you know, this is full time. I think just right now in the interim. Um, but what has been what i've seen some people do is that there are different vantage points in chapel hill where you can get kind of high up um and get a pretty good view into different stadiums so like lacrosse is going to be in the spring you can get a pretty good view into those games just from standing outside of it um and that might be for some people that are just visiting schedule it around a time when a game is playing and just pass by and see it um but i mean fingers crossed we're able to get into the arena at some point because like i said like right when we started the atmosphere is so different Mm -hmm. the amount of times where i would right after class go to the dean dome and sit there for six hours reading an audiobook just so i can get (laughs) um you know risers for a game it's it was just part of the daily routine and now that's lost and it it just feels so different Mm -hmm. being here
1: yeah i would probably have done the same if i had gone to carolina (laughs) Um, because it's just – I think it's the cathedral of college basketball. I know everyone's biased about which school they go to, but I think the amount of history, the players, you know, Dean Smith, everything, Carolina has to be at the top, you know, the top two, at least maybe that and, you know, um, where Kansas plays as well. So, all right, well, Alex, I'm really glad you did this. I'm going to take a more uh, look at Uncut, and I actually – have a few athletes at McDaniel. If you ever want to get the brand there, they are D3 people that would gladly volunteer. Um, I've spoken to a few of them recently and uh, hopefully next season, you know, I'd love to get down to Keenan for a game. So we'll, we'll have to plan something out, but I, I know we didn't see each other at Thanksgiving. Hopefully we will soon in the next year. And um, thank you again for joining the show. I really appreciate it.
0: For sure, man. Good to catch up and get to have me on. All right.
1: Thank you again. All right, guys. This was Shrek Sports. Have a great weekend, everyone. Remember, Coastal Carolina BYU on college game day tomorrow. Don't miss it.